0: Um all right, so um we're we're gonna we're gonna be in uh Philippians chapter number four tonight. We're only gonna hit one verse, but um before we get there, um we got a couple places that we we want to pray tonight. Um we'll pray about next week's stewardship conference. Okay. Um and we want to pray specifically for a few things. Um Go go to First Corinthians chapter nine and verse twenty-four. First Corinthians nine and uh, verse twenty-four. You go on your phone, whatever, uh, whatever is the easiest, whatever the easiest for you to do. Um, First Corinthians nine and verse twenty-four. Everybody there, say amen. amen. All right, look with me. Um, let's let's all read. Let's all read this verse together. <clears throat> know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. Okay. So we most of us know that this whole. Context of this uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is about a race being run and a reward being given at the end of the race, right? So there's a race and then there is a reward. And so it, it has to do with how we run the race. And our reward is di- directly uh, tied back in to how we run the race, right? Does that make sense? Okay, uh, let, let's go one more place uh, in terms of this race. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 1. I could have probably just uh, preached this thing tonight, but I thought we'll just do something simple here and, and, uh, and at least to give us something uh, to pray about. Okay, um, Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 1. When you get there. Okay. Hebrews twelve and verse one. Now for the sake of context, let's understand Hebrews twelve as well. It's right off of the it's right off of the hills on the back end of Hebrews chapter number eleven, right? Okay, Hebrews chapter number 11 is what we know to be the great hall of faith. It's where everything by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith, uh, Sarah, you know, the list just goes on of men and women that done things by faith in Hebrews chapter number 11. Now, when we go into Hebrews chapter number 12, it says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed, uh, compassed about with so, great, uh, with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, this cloud of witnesses in terms of how you and I are running the race are directly tied back in to Hebrews chapter number 11, okay? So, so everybody that did run their race beforehand, oh, look, look what, what the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight, in every sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us the race that's set before us so here we are again um, God's bringing to light this race and that we need to run with patience the race that has been set before so we know it's not a sprint why well because you don't run uh, you don't run a a a 100-yard dash with patience, right? Everybody, everybody understand that? You run a 100-yard dash with everything you got in you, right? Um, so, so we understand this race is not, it's about, it has to do with patience. It's directly tied back into being patient in the race. And, uh, you know, in terms of running the race that we're in right now, I, I think all of us, uh, I think all of us would say that a lot of times, our biggest problems is is patience, right? Uh, we're always wanting, uh, we're always wanting God to do for us in in one split second everything that needs to be done. When actually, the course, the race, has got to be run. It's over a, it's over decades. This is a this is a decade kind of thing. Uh, for for instance. Um, Raise your children. uh, You don't raise your children overnight, right? And you don't raise children to be Christians overnight. It takes decades to raise children that are going to be Christians. Well, I don't know. A lot of times we we think that we ought to be from point A to point B in a year or so. God, get me to where I want to be in a year. But God, God makes it plain. Let us run the race with patience. Now what does that have to do with any of this and we're, we're going got two more verses we're going to turn to here in just a second what is what does that have to do with anything concerning the stewardship conference well it directly what we're going what we're going hear next week um, directly ties in to how our race is being run in the context of stewardship of our Christian walk in our life uh, a lot of times people boil stewardship down to to, uh, to money, and, and it is an aspect. Money is an aspect of stewardship. But it's a great aspect because the Bible's plain that uh, if God can't trust you with with unrighteous mammon, uh, money, money that has no righteousness in it, how's God going to commit to your trust true riches? So, so yeah, your money is directly tied back into what God gives you in terms of true riches, but you need to understand the stewardship of your life really matters in how you view the race you're running. I mean, a lot of times we, man, we, and we need to pray like that matters tonight. Like, God, give us a burden for the stewardship of the race that you've given me, right? Let me, re- you know, I think a lot, of, you know, I mean... I don't know um I I've I don't I'm not a runner obviously <laughs> um you know <laughs> I'm I'm built for feed not speed you know uh but I, I do know a, enough about running to know that long distance runners um they have well they have like stations that they stop at they have uh one of my buddies used to run a lot, like 20 miles at a time, and he carried little gel packs with him, and he would, while he was running, I, and I don't, I don't know what these gel packs done, he just said that it allowed him to keep running, but, uh, but it allowed him, the gel packs gave him the fuel to keep running. Here's the thing, that, listen that, we need to understand that the, the burden of stewardship needs to be laid on our shoulders to say, you know what, I want to finish the race. I want to finish the race. Like, i got to finish the race, right? Um, Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Go down to verse number 2 with me. Ephesians 2 and verse 2. Um, wherein, in times, uh, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Okay? Get, get everything that the Holy Ghost wants you to get out of this thing. Wherein time past, so in your previous life, you walked according to the course of this world. So there's, there is a designated course that this world has. I, we would probably say, around here, uh, if we're comparing scripture with scripture, it would, it would probably uh, contain the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That that that's probably what the course of the world looks like for a person. Um, however, that plays itself out. That's what course that you would be on you'd be living in the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life if you were going to walk the course of this world um, but he said he said that, that, uh, that the course of this world look a look, little further it's according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience in the children of disobedience okay so there is a course of this world, and we, we know this, that every single time that there is a course on the side of evil, it is a direct counter, it, it is a direct counter to the one that Jesus Christ has already given us. Does that, does that make sense? Yes or no. If, for, for real. If it does,, you, that's what yes means. That means no, okay. I know it's We're back to old, old, you know, elementary school days. But yes, and no, okay. So the, if there's a course of this world, then the, there's a really good chance. And I'm, I'm going to show you another place. Second uh, Timothy, chapter number two. Second Timothy, chapter number two. No, no. Second Timothy four. Wrong, sorry. Okay, we're going to read uh, verses 7 and 8. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 7 and 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, because of this, now, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, Shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. Okay, here, here it is again. Okay, this the apostle Paul explained that there is a course that he traveled, and what did he do on his course? What did he do with his course? He finished it. How did he finish it? He fought. He clawed. What, what he, what, why did he have to fight? Because a good soldier has to endure hardness. Why? Because this thing is a race of patience. And that's what, that's what we need to. Herein lies the burden. Herein lies the burden. There's a race that's been set before us. But not only is there a race. I got a feeling there's probably a specific course. Now, maybe they're one and the same. Maybe, maybe they're two interchangeable words. But I know this, the Apostle Paul's course was really different than a lot of other people's course. It was hard. It was imprisonment. It was persecution. It was suffering. But it was still the glory of God. It was that the Gentiles might have the gospel preached unto them. It was that God would gain glory out of, a, out of the nations, that God would see people multiplied for the glory of God. And so our burden should be, how am I stewarding my particular course? See, here's, here's the facts. Everybody everybody has their own course at home and their course looks different than mine. Your course looks different than mine at home. Do we all have the same race? Yeah, we do. We're all in the same race. But I I think a lot of us, we need to get a burden for this thing deeper than what we've gotten right now. That stewardship has to be the thing that drives us. Why? Well, because... The, 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 the big thing for the apostle Paul was to all them unto all them that also love his appearing. What was it? Well, it's like it, like we said on Sunday. He's coming back. <laughs> What's he gonna do? Well, pa- Paul lays it out pretty good, and he says, "Well, there's gonna be some there's gonna be some judgments given out." There's going to be some kind of righteous judgment going on right there, and he's going to be the righteous judge, right? And, and, and man, it'd be cool if, 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 if this group right here, and, and, and look, we, you say, man, everybody needs to be here to pray about this. Well, well, we'll work on that the rest of the week goes. But it would be good if this group right here could understand that the race is almost over, the whole race. Like the the finish line could be in view today. When's Jesus coming back today? What if he don't come back today? When's Jesus coming back? Tomorrow, I'm going to say today too. Why? What else are you going to do? What else are you, you going to love more than the appearing of Jesus Christ? Because here's, and we're, we're going to deal with some contentment. Guys, everybody, you know, all the great stuff everybody likes talking about. <laughs> deal with verse 10 tonight. But before we do, I'd like to pray. And it would be a blessing. If we could take these verses and let them burn in our heart to say, you know what, God? man, I want to steward my course right. I want to steward my family right. I, I, want, to, I want to steward what, what you've given me, the money you've given me, the time you've given me, the people you've given me. Lord, I want to steward that well. And, and then, you know what? When, when this race is over, and like the Apostle Paul, and the eyes are dimming, and the light is going out, he says, my race is done. I finished that joker, though. How did I finish it? I fought. I fought hard like I fought, like I clawed. I worked and I fought some more. When it was cold and I was hungry, I was diseased. I couldn't see. I was in prison. I didn't have any friends. I was depressed and anxious and all, all that stuff. All that stuff that, 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 that is common to man, it was not exempted from the Apostle Paul. Why? Because there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to men, right? And so we need to understand, this is a guy that God really used. but He's a guy that's been put on display for us to say, you know, I want to finish. I want to finish. I don't want to finish, just finish. I want to finish well. I want to be like, man, I did this thing with patience. I ran the race with patience. I didn't give up when it got hard. I didn't quit when it seemed like, you know, a race is really easy. It's easy to quit quit racing when everybody around you is dropping, right? Well, it ain't easy for me. Well, it's, easy. It, it's easier than you want to admit. Well, I, I, you know, what are we going to do? Everybody's quitting. We could do that or we could just keep fighting. Amen. All right. So let's pray. Let's take a minute. Chandler, you wanna you wanna give us something? Uh put some kind of piano on there for a little bit. And uh make it, you, you can use these altars, you pray and you whatever you want to do tonight. But it'd be good if you could just you could just get serious about whatever you decide to do tonight. Would you pray for us, Sean? Got a few minutes there. Go to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. We're going, we're going to, um, we're going to, we're going to read one verse tonight, but you, you may need, uh, you may need some other verses uh, as well. Um, But let's, uh, let's read, read one verse tonight. Philippians chapter four and verse number 10. Now verse number nine we spent two weeks on. Uh, I don't I, ho- I hope you remember uh, <laughs> those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And so we looked, took a couple of weeks to look at that. Now I-, I want you to look at verse, I want you to look at verse number 10, "But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now, at the last your care of me, Hath flourished again wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Uh, Chandler, I didn't tell you to put this one on there, but we're going to read verse 11 too. Let's read verse 11. I, I'd, feel, I'd, feel, I'd, feel like a, I'd feel like a pansy if I read two verses. Uh, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of, uh, of want, for I have learned... And whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. Whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. The Apostle Paul is, (laughs) is probably... And we're going to see that he, does, he has no ill will whatsoever, but he's probably ripping the heart of the Philippians, this church at Philippi, out right now. Paul, of all people, had reason to be discontented. Uh, there, there's a lot going on in Paul's life right now. Remember, this is a prison epistle. Epistle. This is not this this is not from the high rise down on Main Street, right? Uh, I I haven't stayed in very many nice hotels. I stayed at a Hilton one time, it was pretty nice. It's about as far as I get. And I don't even like staying there. I'd rather sleep in my own bed. But can you imagine Paul being in a prison, dungeon, drafty, cold, hungry, probably some kind of sickness. And he says, I have learned, I have learned, I have learned therewith to be content. So this is a, this is, what, what is this? Well, it's, there's a lot of simplicity here. This is, a simple, this is a simple message for a person with a life of discontentment. It's a simple message for, for a person with a life of discontentment, with a life that is always wanting something better always unhappy with how much you make, always unhappy with, with what you are and how you're viewed and how you're respected or, or maybe how you even view your own self. You see, in culture, we've been geared to, to obsess over more stuff. You realize that, right? They, 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 they created the monsters that we are, the culture has. That's why Amazon is such a big hit. It's not a big hit outside of the reason, outside of, uh, uh, of anything, but people are obsessed with more stuff. And the coolest thing about Amazon is you can have that stuff there in two days. I mean, that is, that's a cool deal. I don't care who you are. And it don't matter where you get it from. That junk can be anywhere on the planet, it feels like. And it's there in two days. I mean, it's a click of the button. I don't even add stuff to the cart no more. I just swipe, buy it now. Like Jordan's putting stuff in the cart. No, no. If I want something, I'm sliding that baby all the way over. I'm I'm not even going to give myself a chance to think about it. Oh, yeah. There's a buy it now. You just get that thing done and over with. There's no adding to the cart. We're obsessed with stuff. We're obsessed with income. We're obsessed with more. We're obsessed with better results and higher positions and all that stuff. And and at the end of the day, contentment is a perspective. It's a perspective of satisfaction. It's a perspective of being satisfied, the the settled acceptance of a certain situation in your life. Does that make sense? Well, it's it's the it's the absence of lust. It's it's the it's the absence of complaining about things that you don't have. It's the it's the it's the it's the absence Here, here's a good one. It's the absence of sheer determination to have more than God wants you to have right now. When I was young, I mean, I was obsessed with making a fortune. My early 20s... Uh, up until I got saved, man, I was obsessed with making a fortune, obsessed with just making so much money and making it as fast as I can. And all I would do is look around at people that had more and I always wanted what they had. I, you know one thing I never considered, though? I never considered that they were 45, 50 years old. And every day from the time they were 18 years old, they got up and went to work every single day. And they put money up. And they bought stuff on time and they just kept going to work and they just kept going to work and they just kept going to work. And I would, I would literally lust, covet after what they had at 19 and 20 years old when they had 25 years on me. That sounds like I needed patience, right? Sounds like the whole world needs it. Amen? Why? Because this thing of covetousness, this thing of... Of lust, this thing of wanting more than God wants you to have, it's a problem for a lot of us, and that's why we don't have contentment. Uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 5, you you can write this down if if you're taking any notes. He says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Are you ready? Here's the contrast. And be content, and be content with such things as you have. He said, "Well, that's easier said than done." Boy, you ain't telling me nothing. Content, uh, contentment is a, is is always going to be contrasted with covetousness. So they're they're the opposite. They're they're the opposite uh, sides of the same coin. Wanting something somebody else has—that's covetousness. Wanting more than God wants you to have. Here, here's what, here, and, and why I say it like this, wanting more than God wants you to have right now is because it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have that down the road. God's not, God, it's not that God don't want you to have $50,000 in the bank. It's that, that God just can't trust you with it right now. You see, if God can't trust you with the bank account that you have now, then you're never going to be able to be trusted to have more in that bank account. Man, it is too quiet in here. (laughs) You see, this whole thing works on trust with God. And God's like, you know what, I'm going to give you more down the road, and here's, 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 a, here's a little bit of wisdom for you. You may, you, know, you may just not be able to handle it right now. Everybody's always wanting more. Well, you may not be able to handle more right now. I know plenty of people that got the boat they didn't need and their whole family's wondering who Jesus is and what the Bible actually says. Do you hear what I'm saying when I say that? They got the, they got the boat that they didn't need, And they say, you know what? We got a boat now. We're going to go to the lake every weekend. Five years, oh, it won't be many. We'll miss one here, one there. We'll miss a few here. We'll miss a few there. Five years from now, you can't find them. Why? Well, because whatever happened, happened. And they got boats, and they got new cars, and they got to work overtime, and they got to do this, and they got to do that, and they got to do this. And before it's over with, they done raised three kids that don't even know where Genesis starts and Revelation ends. You know what it all all boiled down to? Starts with a C. Contentment. They couldn't be content with what they didn't have at the moment. And trust the Lord would give them that to be entrusted to them later on down the road. Am am I making sense to anybody? Is Is it just... Is it just Bible doctrine laying out my life perfectly? Because that's all it is. This is just a whole lot of stuff that God already told me years ago. And now at 42 years old, it makes perfect, plain sense as the nose on my face. God needs to be able to trust us, right? And that's what we're going to talk about next week, right? We're going to talk about stewardship next week. And God needs to be able to trust us to steward his stuff like he wants us to have it. He wants, God wants to bless every person in this room. And I'm not talking about like Joel Osteen kind of blessing either, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I, uh, we're not naming and claiming it or nothing around here. But God wants to bless you, but he wants you to steward his blessing. Okay. I'm going to give you a couple of things. Uh, the, uh, yeah, we will just run through these real quick. Not, not, number one, uh, covetous. Uh, excuse me. Contentment affects your emotions. And everybody said, amen. "Amen." Contentment affects your emotions. Okay, one of the greatest things that you'll ever get in your, in deep in your heart, in your soul is that contentment affects your emotions. Contentment will affect your emotional response to your spouse. It will affect your emotional response to your job. It will affect your emotional response to your children. How you raise your children, contentment will dictate that. Why? Well, because if your emotions are out of whack because of your discontentment, there's a real good chance you'll deal with your children. And your spouse, and your friends, and all them other people that you come in contact with, with the same emotional discontentment. Well, that's why. That's why some people. That's why some people are just are absolutely just messed up in the area of their emotional discontentment when they're trying to deal with their life. Why? Because they haven't figured out how to be content yet. And I want to say this. Make, make, sure, make sure you understand this. The, the con, this contentment that the Apostle Paul's talking about, it's a learned thing. It's not this flagrant gift that God lays on some, and some, uh, some some he don't. It's learned. I have learned therewith to be content. So here's here's the whole here's the whole idea. It may be time to start doing some serious learning. Because you keep protracting all of your emotional discontentment, the, the emotional problems that you have that are rooted in discontentment, they're being portrayed on everybody around you, and they didn't ask for it. Right? They didn't ask for, they didn't ask for you to be, uh, they didn't ask for you to be like that. I'll be honest with you, pastoring super hard because you stay discontent. What do you stay What do you stay discontent in? I stay discontent in everything that goes on around here. Believe it or not. I mean, there's a note. I have a notebook full of discontentment. It's really hard. Not you say, well, you're the pot is calling the kettle black right now. It's a really hard thing. And I speak from a load of I speak from a load of experience. If you don't learn to be content, especially in ministry, because you're never gonna ministry is never gonna be done, and it's never gonna be perfect. People aren't gonna be perfect. It's never gonna be everything we thought it was. Somebody say amen right there. It's all the all the T's and all the I's are never gonna be dotted and crossed. All the bills are never gonna be paid. All the money you need to do this, and do, it's never going to come, right? It, it, it's always going to be something. So what do you got to do? Well, you got to learn contentment. Find contentment in, in the thing that you know is unchangeable. Well, what is that? Look in verse, Look in verse number 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Is that enough to make you content, the Lord? Because sometimes that, that is all that you have to find any kind of contentment in. Paul's in prison. Paul probably has sickness. We know he's lonely. We know he's been scrutinized and criticized by others. We know, we, we know that he's hearing reports of heresy and divisions in the church. According to 2 Corinthians. We know all that. We know from Philippians, right where we are, uh, that he's under a boatload of financial, financial need. Like, like they have not been... And we're going to see that, uh, Lord, probably not tonight... Uh, He's under a boatload of financial need that they have not been providing because they couldn't. Okay? He doesn't, have, he doesn't have the money to do what he needs to do. He's broke. He's in a prison. But he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Paul went through an, uh, uh, an unspecified An unspecified number of years without support. Now you got to remember, he's a. uh, We support. We support uh, a couple around here, and uh, we would call Paul the same thing that they are missionaries. He is a missionary that is not receiving support. Uh, What happened when he didn't receive support? Well, he was according. according to what we're going to find out next week, uh, verses 12 and down. He was abased. He was hungry. He was suffering. All these things, but instead of loathing in his affliction, the Bible says he rejoiced in something. He rejoiced in the Lord. Okay. His specific rejoicing in the Lord was this, that now, At the last, your care of me hath flourished again. So here he is. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that God gave you the ability to provide for me again. Now, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into the next week. You know what most of us do in them kind of situations? Most of us don't learn contentment. We get ticked off that what they said they were. Were gonna do they didn't do. Does that make sense? But well, they that the, they were providing for him, and now they're not. So what wh- what happened? How did he, How did Paul not? This is a good. This this man. This is such a good man. I'm telling you, this is such a good life lesson if you can get a hold of it if you can apply this practically, there's going to be people that disappoint you. And if you don't learn contentment, when they quit disappointing you, you're going to be like, well, too little, too late. To heck with you. Right? Right? You know how it goes. I mean, how many a, a, a bad parent has went and apologized to their children too late, and the ch- the child's attitude was too little, too late. Why? Well, they they probably hadn't learned contentment yet. Well, their parents should have been there. Sure, they should have. But I'm 42 years old, and here's what I've learned. If I sit around and loathe and begrudge people that didn't do what I thought they ought to have done, that's not contentment. That's not what my home needs. That's not what my family needs. That's not what those around me, that's not what my friends need. My friends don't need me walking around being discontent when they got stuff they're going through that I could be there to have some sort of wisdom, but I don't have any of the wisdom that I need to give at the time because I'm so discontent with my situation that I can't even be a help to them and theirs. No, I got to be ready. Our wisdoms diminished by discontentment? By the sheer fact that we can't be content when we are a base and when we are hungry and when we are suffering need. We'll, we'll touch on this and we'll, we'll mention it. Uh, let, let, me, let me give it to you just so you can hear it and then we'll, we'll back up and review it next week. Contentment affords you a positive view a good view, a high view of others. That's what contentment does. It affords you a positive, a positive. Well, I'm I'm the biggest skeptic you know. Well, live your life like that and you'll be discontent the rest of your life. You, You be a skeptic all your life and that's what you'll get. Skepticism, not contentment. He he says something crazy in verse number ten. He says that now at last your care of me hath flourished again. So Paul does something interesting right here that I think could really help us. And in, in I'm assuming y'all are close to done, Charlie. Okay. Instead of fo- focusing on all of those years that they missed support, that they that they missed, that they missed out on giving what they what they been, had been taught to give, what they were oblig what what they were obligated based on his investment of the gospel in their life. That he didn't, you know, if it would have been some of us, we might have wrote, well, it's about stinking time. Or, 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 I wrote this one down. What took you so long? Or you're doing well for once. Or or are you ready for this one? You ready for this one? This is this is the one that this is the one that does it for me. Well, it's here. Came this month. Wonder how long it'll last. I guess we'll see. Contentment affords you the ability to look at your brothers and sisters in a right way. And you need that. If, you're gonna, if you are going to remain unified, if this church is going to remain unified, it's got to have... A group of people that have the right view of each other. Because, see, here's the thing God's going to take care of you in your contentment. Well, I don't, I don't want to be the person that gets stabbed in the back. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Well, I got to make sure I got to look out for me first now. I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. Well, you know, I, I just feel like you're, you're taking this thing way too far and you're putting me out there to be some kind of martyr. Well, if so, be it. There's even something special for you waiting If that was to happen. There's probably a lot of people could testify about how much better their pillow feels when they lay their head on it with a heart of contentment than the one that tosses and turns all night trying to figure out who's next or how I'm going to get them back. Or how bad they're going to hurt me the next time. There's a lot to be said. About contentment. We'll get into it. But I thought this short little thing right here. Man, it'd be good. Rolling into Sunday. It'd be good for us just to bear down real hard and say, God. Create in me a right heart. God, give me a right spirit. I want to walk into this thing and I want to be ready to worship. I want to come in with my Bible under my arm. I want to come in with a pen in my hand. I want to be ready for God to speak to me. I want to be ready for God to speak to my family. If we'll do that, God'll do it for us. Amen. Let's pray and, um, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you. thank you for, for the blessing that it is just to come and open the Bible and to get serious about it. God, we got so much we got so much on our plates. You've just laid so much out for us. God, tonight, I pray, Lord, that we get a burden for something bigger than ourselves. God, there's a lot of bigger things that I'm praying for. and God, I pray that you, Lord, that you help us to see the bigger things. God, I love you. And I know there's a lot of people in this room that sincerely love you. They want to serve you. And Lord, ain't no doubt I can I can see it on their face. I can see it in their walk. I can watch things like, like tonight. And I can see God working, doing things in their own life. And Lord, I just want to say thank you. God, I pray that you use this conference for the, for the God of all to be glorified. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I love y'all. Hope you have a good rest of the night. And uh, you'll be praying for Sunday, and I'll see you on Sunday.